Hello and welcome to episode number 355 of the Apple Up Podcast. I am your host, Simon Head. This podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. Get convenient, safe, and secure online counseling today. Connect with a therapist of your choosing in minutes by taking the online survey. Use the code word APOLOG to get seven days for free when you go to betterhelp.com slash APOLOG. Now, seasonal depression is a very, very serious thing, folks. We need to address that, self-check in, make sure that everything's okay. How you doing? Are you all right? Is everything okay? Do you need help? Go to BetterHelp and then get help. I've said help way too many times. This also, if you want to support my work on a monthly basis, I have a Patreon. Uh, go to patreon.com slash APOLOG. Pledge as much or as little as you want on a monthly basis to help with my hosting and gas fees, and you can cancel at any time. I uh, don't have any any t-shirts to sell right now for sale right now, but there will be some coming soon, soon enough. Chill out. If you want to go to iTunes, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show, and give it five stars, please. Give it the review. I haven't seen a review there in a couple of months. So it'd be nice to have someone review something and say, oh, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. Five stars. And uh, like and share on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash Pod. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at SimonHead666. And Spotify. Spotify is a new thing. Go check out the show on Spotify. There's about 50 or 60 episodes that I've slowly been starting to upload in Spotify. It's a big thing. i got to change a whole bunch of things to make sure that that happens. It's a thing. Big changes coming to the website, Appalog Dossier. It's now called Appalog Productions. Appalog Productions deals with any movie making, any album recording, anything to do with anything I do creative is going to be called Apolog Productions. I do have a recording studio. It's all going to start folding into one thing because it's just complicated. It's going to be easy this way. So anyways, without further ado, I, I want to introduce you to the guest on my show. It's been kind of a long time coming. I think Stephen and I were trying to hook something up about three years ago. And and then I started the documentary. I thought, I'll be, you know, it's tough. Like, we're already talking. and be that, But I don't want to just talk about the movie. So Stephen put out a new record called Before the Collapse of the Hive. And you can go find that on, on any streaming platform. Uh, you can go find Stephen on Facebook. He's very active on social media. And uh, the Steve Stanley Band has, is just one of the, you know, a, cl- a gem and, and, a, a, and a, an institution in our uh, Canadian music scene. So here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, been looking forward to this for quite a long time. Mr. Stephen Stanley of the Stephen Stanley Band on the Apple Podcast. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. The mess. Um, uh, okay, we started. Um, uh, it's been a while. I, we were just saying off, off mics that it's probably been since when do we see each other in person? Well, is it possible that it was the two Grey Cups ago? <laughs> like, that seems absurd, but I think that may be actually possible. Well, we did the song for song thing at that uh, sauce. That was last summer or was it the summer before? So that might have been after the Great Cup. Yeah, right. So that was after the Great Cup. Yeah. yeah. So, so in between, the last time we saw each other was in between the last two Great Cups. <laughs> in between. That's how we <laughs> use our, our, our buffer. Was it the- before Green Day played or is it? Uh, oh, before. Yeah. Oh, way before the, Green Day played. The yes. previous one when you were on Wolf Island. That's right. That's right. That's right. What was I? I can't remember. Yeah, you were here. You were here for the Grey Cup. We watched it in the. Oh, we did. We watched it at the at the, yeah. at the restaurant at the bar. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes. I remember. Um, yeah, man. Um, I like I said about Wolf Island. I think that's one of the most beautiful places, and I'm trying to keep it a secret. But I keep telling all my friends, like, you gotta go there. It's beautiful. It's amazing. As soon, soon the ferry will come back into the village, and that's going to change everything. Right now, I think it's a forced secret because it's a big effort to get anywhere on the island once you land on the island in the the current place that the boat lands. So if you're not in a car, and if you're not in a car, it's a 
almost impossible because it's a 20 minute walk to the village from the ferry mm -hmm. minimum. And if, when you bring a car, you face the long lineups of getting on the boat with that car. So it's yeah. once the new boat starts running into the village, it's going to change everything and there'll be a lot more people around, I think. Yeah. How, how long have you been there now? Well, uh, as I'm living here, I've been here just over two months now. So it's, it's, oh, it's just new. It's fairly new. Yeah. 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 So far, so good. And you don't, you don't, I mean, I, if I lived in the city as long as you did, I don't think I'd miss the city that much. Well, so there's certainly things I miss about the city. I've been back and forth so many times in the last two months that I, you know, I think I'm spending as much time in the city as I did when I lived in the city. <laughs> not tr not really, but it, it feels that way just because there's been so many reasons uh, for both music and work to go back many times. And and then f and family. My, my uh, one daughter lives there. One daughter lives in Montreal. So okay. we're back and forth a lot. So you're kind of right in the middle of Montreal. I, it's it works out nicely actually. From yeah. the point of view of getting to Montreal from here is way less daunting than going from Toronto. Yeah, yeah. Anything that involves Toronto, you face the idea of getting out of Toronto. And that's the hardest part. Yeah. Well, uh, we moved out of Toronto like 20 years ago. So when our kids were still like one was the like literally a baby, the other one was two years old. So for us to get out of Toronto, it was kind of like the perfect time. But you can't do it now. Like where we live, no one in our age, when we were then, then nobody's going to be able to be buy a house. Like, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what, what, I mean, Toronto is, is gone crazy. Like just the amount of, the amount of cost you have to devote to the amount of whatever income you have, you have to devote to living there is, is so far out of whack now. It's just impossible. Like, you know, I was seeing I was seeing something that a two bedroom is forty five hundred bucks a month now or something like that. Like that's just that's just ridiculous. No, it's just ridiculous. And especially as an artist, like you're an artist, and you need to be able to sort of kind of if you're a young artist, you need to kind of be close to where the action is. Um, yeah. No one from like outside of London, you know what I mean? Like who you'd go into London, all uh, England, all the you know, you'd be like just doing that is like. No, just stay downtown and do and do the thing you're supposed to do because that's kind yeah. of the hub, right? Um, yeah. And I guess as you get older, it's not as important to sort of be close to the to the action and and go out every night, you know. I, you know, the nice thing about this particular situation is like literally about forty steps from where I'm living is the Hotel Wolf Island, which is you know bringing in live music of a very high caliber like four nights a week right now. And that'll, that'll expand as, as the ferry comes into town and as the summer comes, you know, as the warmer weather comes back around. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this has become a bit of a stop for a lot of bands that are touring. And, and then on top of that, there's a 15 minute ferry ride to Kingston and it has a really good live music scene. Like there's a lot of great clubs and a lot of bands playing there, a lot of, a lot of music every night of the week. So, I, I don't think, you know, I think most people that, uh, especially Canadian artists that are touring, they, they stop here for sure. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I mean, like the, the thing about, I've been co coming back and forth from year to year for the last seven, eight years. And like, I think familiarity just makes the journey shorter. Like I drove, I drove in, I drove in on Monday and back. I left Toronto yesterday at 630 in the morning so I could beat the storm out of town. And I was back here by nine. Like, it's like, it's not like, you know, I'd usually be asleep then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Chris Brown said it actually pretty poetically when we're sitting there, when we were, we were doing the thing last, a couple of years ago. And he's like, you know, I could just take a, just take the Via and be in Toronto in two and a half hours. I mean, yeah. I mean, that puts a lot of thing into perspective and, and, you know, and that's the thing, right? Well, and then the nice thing about the train is that the, the like I said before, the hardest part about Toronto is getting in and out of Toronto. Yeah. So the train eliminates that. You're oh, yeah. You're just there. I can testify to that. I, I work downtown now and it's not my favorite drive. There's much I better bet. drives. <laughs> much better yeah. drives. My cousin was saying, hey, let's do the ride for brain health, you know, because you ride up the DVP. I'm like, I don't like that road very much. Because <laughs> like you're on it all the time. I don't yeah. know. I probably ride the same speed as it takes to get up there in traffic. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so, uh, new record, um, just a whole 
a new a new look on uh, on life like how 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 did this record come together over a long period of time because uh you know we we did a, uh the previous record Jimmy and the Moon on Wolf Island wanted to do this this one in the same same manner i knew it was going to be a different album but a lot of the same players mostly the same band and uh it, then the pandemic came along and shut us down for two major periods of time and add that into the fact that living in toronto and coming to an island to make a record you know i mean it wasn't like i was coming here every three days yeah. so it was probably like three or four days a month and it was a slow burn what i think what was nice about if there was any silver lining for this record for the pandemic was that a bunch of stuff got written that wouldn't have been on it if we'd recorded it when we originally planned to record it. So that was cool and it became a bit of a cool experiment with the band because uh, the band I'm playing with is a pretty rehearsed unit and we, we the previous album we went in and we knew the ins and outs of all, all 13 of the songs we recorded and uh, this time there was about five or six songs where we basically put them together in the studio and we kind of reverse engineered them starting with vocals and acoustic guitar and then building it backwards so that was fun because like it it made for the reality about that was there was a lot of having to sort of redo and re re-decide what was going to go on that track and and i think what ended up happening from my estimate in my estimation was an album that has a pretty cohesive sound it really feels like all these songs should be together so mm-hmm. i'm pretty happy about it from that point of view there is a benefit to having like no real stopwatch running to be able to dissect something um, and then put it back together. But there should be like a an end date, you know what I mean? Because I I have a home studio and I had yeah. a record I recorded ten years ago I haven't put out yet, you know. So I yeah, and I, and I think that that may be sort of a individual character too. I'm not too precious about once once we put something down that feels right. I don't I don't like fret about it for months and. You know, I don't worry about having to redo it again at some point or mm-hmm. it's just like once once it kind of feels like we've found something. I, I do think, you know, I mean, like from from the school of, uh, let's say, like somebody like Bob Dylan, where like a recording of a song is very much a capture of it at that moment in time. And likely it's going to change a lot in its life as it becomes a live song. So and that's great. That's that's great. I actually had a reason. I forget why, but I listened to the to Jimmy and the moon over the holidays and uh, realized, wow, we really, these songs have really kind of morphed as a live, live entity. So it's, you know, it's like, it's just a moment. You're just capturing a moment in time with those songs. It doesn't, it's not a definitive statement. I don't think. Right. So like, here's like a real podcast question. (laughs) It's kind of, I don't usually do that, but is Steve Steve Stanley, is it, are you a live band or are you recording band? Like, where do you define your, uh, your uh, well, your love and your reward. I think, yeah, I think that's a good question. And I think at one point I would have definitively said a live band and then the last, so I think two things have happened. The pandemic happened and that changed the landscape of playing live for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's returned to something nice now, but as I sit here right now and you know hoping to plan some touring with this record in the spring, I don't know what's going to happen because like it's really financially prohibitive. Like it's really tough with yeah. trying to put even f- taking four people on the road and putting them in hotels and the yep. travel. It's it's really tough. So I don't know what it all means. Like I know I know I'm going to play live. Maybe it'll be solo, maybe it'll be with a uh, I do a lot of shows with Chris Bennett who's a guitar player in the band and we do a what I, I something I really enjoy which is this duo set up and we'd probably do that now more than we do the band set up and i would love to be out there playing with a band and i think there'll be some opportunities to do that and whether there's an opportunity to do it on you know like a full tour point of view that remains to be seen so yeah it's so yeah so i think like to answer your question i think we're somewhere in between both i i think in the entire process of making music and performing music the recording part's probably my favorite part of it. Just uh, there's just something that is so exciting about being in a studio and putting things down and hearing something that existed only in your head become a reality 
Um, I really enjoy writing. Writing is a very personal thing. I think I'm more of a social person. So being with a group and working on stuff together and I'm not, um, I'm not autonomous. I don't, I don't try to tell anybody what to do. I like people to give, you know, their, their, uh, amount of energy and what they bring to a song and, and, you know, I mean, then I tend to sort of, you know, I, I, I reserve the right to have the final decision as the writer, but, but it's a real collaborative vibe and I love that. And that's, that's been my experience right from the early days when I was in lowest of low, mm -hmm. just a collaborative studio vibe where everybody was pulling in the same direction and you were trying to create something great. And, you know, and, and that, that involves stepping on toes once in a while. It does, you know, you don't, you can't always be, I saw somebody say online recently, I think it was, uh, Oh, who was it saying? It was a quote basically is that, that, um, a band isn't intended to be a group of friends. You need the, the tension that comes with, with, you know, some sort of strife inside of that to make it all work. So, and that may be true. And, and that to a greater or lesser extent, I mean, obviously I prefer to play with people I like and I'm playing with people I like a lot right now. And I, I don't know, I always have. We've certainly it's well documented by a certain filmmaker about uh, some of the differences. I have no I've idea what you're with, talking about. <laughs> this is where you this is where you plug in a uh, audio commercial for the film subversives i think there's i think toronto mike's doing a good enough job on his own oh there you go <laughs> oh my gosh um <laughs> i you know i i i know and when i, I remember times because obviously playing bands recording there's a time when everybody's like oh this we're all this is like a honeymoon and we love each other and this is great but but there is a time when someone says something and you go, what, what do you mean by that? And then that sort of somehow compounds because being an artist is you're sensitive. People are sensitive. If you say something, I I'm like, what do you mean by that? And then all of a sudden it starts turning And next thing, you know, and I've had bands where my best friend and I have almost been in a fist fight, like on tour in Europe. And you're like, yeah. how, and you think about like, how stupid was that? You know, why would I do that? I should enjoy this. But, but it was probably very real at the time. And, and everything you said, you know, a lot of the thematics on this new album became about perspectives and how you can take, you know, and from, from a more of a macro point of view where you have like maybe two sort of politically opposed groups looking at exactly the same thing and seeing it completely differently, understanding something completely different from what they were seeing. Yeah. And intellectually, I can look at situations like that and go, well, that's somebody one of those two groups is misinterpreting something or is being led down a garden path yeah yeah if you take it to a micro scale about people creating art together which art in an, in its essence is a very personal thing it's a very personal and so when you're young in a band i think maybe that's understanding goes out the window and you don't understand why somebody doesn't get this amazing guitar part he just came up with but, I, but it's fully understandable because they're they're here hearing a song a certain way in their head you're hearing it a certain way in your head and you hope that it matches up enough of the times if the band has some successes as we did in that in my part of lowest low in the early days it happened more often than not that things lined up and we you know i mean the the experience we had with you simon of going into uh to oh boy Re revolution really, and yeah. and listening to the tracks again um for shakespeare was really was a bit of a revelation because i think we all went in there thinking we were going to hear all kinds of things that got left off the record and what we did hear was that we were a really precise band then we really yeah. you know it it was designed to feel a bit messy but the precision in that mess was pretty pretty tight there wasn't a lot of I mean, in the end, we found one guitar part that didn't make it on the record. And then a Again. debate on who said, yeah, 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 which I'm <laughs> still convinced it might be you on that one, Stephen. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like, um, well, I mean, I, I, I like the way you put it when it's like you need a little bit of, uh, con you know, like a little bit of strife or a little bit of yeah. uh, opposing points of view to be able to come up with what it's, what's hopefully better. I mean, the, the arguments I've ever had artistically with people is be to make the art better not to serve my agenda. That's a different, you know, a different vibe. Like I've had arguments to serve my own agenda, but usually the argument is supposed to be like, how are we going to make this thing better? 
How are we going to make it better? You don't think that way. I don't think this way. So when we get our heads together, we're going to make something awesome. Well, okay. So, so I think I might be the poster person for this particular discussion because I've now seen it in a very, very uh, a sort of wrought out point of view from both sides where you're not the major songwriter and what you think you're adding to it is, is exactly what it needs. And then you are the major songwriter as I am in the, in the case of my band now, and you're watching the people around you pushing an agenda that maybe you're like, Oh, that's not what I wanted to do. So I think the goal for most musicians, I think when you're very young, there's a little bit of trying to be protective of what you do in a band. I think when you get to this, this, if you stayed in the game this long, I think what all, what happens is it's just a collision of different visions and somebody hears something a very different way than you do. And hopefully, I mean, I like to think that I, you know, pause and try to, and try to uh, take that, those opinions into account and make this informed decisions based on that. But I think there's also, you know, I mean, there's like, like you said, it's like, it's, it's you're you're the songwriter it's your art and you're very protective of how you how you heard this thing in your head like so yeah it's it's so so being in a band's tough and then you add all these layers we just discussed about how the mechanics the mechanism of the band now is almost impossible just from a financial point of view at this level that i'm doing it at you know i mean for there's there's lots of bands that have really got it down to a science when they can they can do their hundred plus shows a year and it, it makes total financial sense. Um, I'm not playing quite that many. I think we're in a good year. We're doing like 90, hundred shows, but they're more solo and duo shows than they are band shows. And yeah. so, you know, what ends up happening is I really sort of relish the band band shows because they're fewer and further between. Well, I mean, so should the, the audience too at the same time, because it is a special Damn occasion. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's a special <laughs> occasion, you know, and yeah. people get to, hear a version of you playing acoustically but they know what the record sounds like and then it's always kind of a fascinating like well how is it going to be and if you get a if you have that type of like reputation of like making a song breathe and letting it do something different or not being so um stringent about the year you know i'm just saying the rage but the the feel of it then people are going to have a way better experience live i know i think wilco's like classic for that type of thing you'll hear a song three different ways if you go to three different shows yeah. And that's just the way it is. And I love stuff like that, you know? Same. It's it's funny because I, I think there was a major movement in the 80s. I remember uh, reading an article about, and I'm not throwing anybody under the bus here, but about Kenny Loggins and how he fuck felt. That guy. That, yeah, <laughs> fuck that guy. <laughs> I don't know him personally, so I, I have no I have Me no either. In this game. I don't like his but, face. <laughs> but how it was whatever record he made that had this group of hits on it, it was very important that those songs were played exactly as they were on the record live. So to the point that they were sampling sounds from the album and triggering them live. And I was like, wow, because this was when Lois to Low was in our first. Yeah. So it was probably later. It was probably the early 90s. But Lois to Low was in our first go around. And like, that's the last thing we were doing. And, and I, I just don't like music to be considered that way. I think a live experience should be exactly that. And if if stuff happens especially at this stage of the game, the people you're playing with are good enough players that, that whatever happens, everybody can react to it and keep the train on the tracks yeah. and make it into something else. And it doesn't matter. Like, it's like, I, like I said, I do say that with my band a lot. Like, like when people get too bogged down in thinking about, Oh, we didn't execute that part properly. It's like, well, don't think of it as parts. Think of it as we're playing music and you're, you're a good player. So just play. It's a delivery. You're delivering your, your take on it. And yeah, I, I, I've played in both bands. I played in a bands where like I played in the Kenny Loggins version. We have to get everything just exactly perfect. And I'm also in a band like uh, that isn't that. So it's always like, you have to sort of figure it out and play it out. Because if it's like, if you are playing Kenny Loggins, you really need that snare from the Caddyshack theme. I guess. You See, need that. I mean, first of all, I want to say that, like many people, I loved your work in the Kenny Loggins band. Ah, um, thank you. So. <laughs> Coming to a documentary, <laughs> uh, Cinema Who <laughs> knew that this podcast today would have so many Kenny Loggins references? To Kenny Loggins. I'm all right. <laughs> How many times have you seen Caddyshack? There's a podcast question. At least twice. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so you're a purist then. I'm a, yeah, I kind of move on after I've seen something. <laughs> 
Um, well, it's it's like you know, it's tough being a musician. It's tough making music, and it's tough, you know, emoting feelings. You know what I mean? That to to people uh, on a record. Um, do you find like when you write lyrics and things that there's like, is it is it is there? Are you changing the names, or is this like? really exactly what you're feeling is it school train of thought sorry um uh, what, what, what they call it a uh, um like a flow of ideas or are you do you come into a song like a lyric as like i'm gonna write a song about kenny loggins well so that's that's i like that question because i think that's what's happened to me over the course of becoming a more sort of complete songwriter and that sounds so pretentious but i don't <laughs> i don't mean it to but i you know i mean my experience in Lois and Low was I was very much a secondary writer and I wasn't writing all that much. Mm -hmm. And now I'm writing lots. And I've got to the point where where I think a lot of people that write songs can sort of sort of map out, okay, I want to write about this. And I'll go and do it. Um, as far as names and things like that, I there's a Neil Young quote that I won't be able to quote about the minute you start self-editing too much, you're done. Hmm. So if you start sort of worrying that somebody's going to hear this song and think, now I remember when when Most of broke up the first time, um, I wrote a group of songs and put together a solo band and uh, and did a, uh, I think Neil Morrison had me on the edge before one of the shows and I played a couple songs live and there was a song. And it was called Stranger in the House that really kind of never went anywhere. I never, I don't think I ever actually recorded it. Um, but my mom was listening to the show and she was like uh she called me right after and she's like was that about was that about me Steve? Was like, are you do you have some issues with and i was like oh no it wasn't but that was that was interesting because like it it you know i think it's very possible to trigger the people that are close to you yeah with stuff you write um but i think for the most part i like to sort of forge ahead maybe there's some creative ways I, I mean i'm not in the business of hurting people's feelings by any means but i'm trying to tell tell my stories and it's funny because that comes along with everything we were just talking about before about perception and the song hornets is is a really good example because that story to me is about me and my friend when we were about 12 years old and that's how i i honest to goodness remember it and my brother will tell anybody that listens that that I'm an idiot because it wasn't just the two of us there. It was actually four of us. And <laughs> my brother and my and his friend both got stung multiple times by the hornets in this nest. And they I mean, you know, I mean like so they didn't make it into the song. No. Well yeah, <laughs> you, you can only have three verses, you know, in a in a, in a exactly. bridge too. You've you know. gotta you've gotta you've gotta edit. So so <laughs> So it's funny you'd say hornets because I do have it queued up here a lot. It's like almost like we've had this planned and you got my notes. Cause in every <laughs> podcast I do I send what my questions were gonna be. This is so not documentary. Like the documentary was all about I have to have all these questions. I have these questions because I'm my I have to make the story go, but so, this is the exact opposite. So yeah, this is more of a conversation, which is great. And, you know, I mean, even when we were doing the doc interviews, I certainly read the questions, but I I was, I wanted to leave as much space for <laughs> the, the conversation that was, would, would ensue around each of them. So, yeah. Well, here comes Hornets then. This is, this is the EPK version. Uh, probably not heard by a lot of people, maybe your financial backers, um, I think, or I I don't even think there's That's a right. proper version of the whole song. I think it's just sort of intermingled in the video. There's, yeah, that's a good, they might, did we not do a single version of it? Maybe. Or was that just uh, Chase That Devil? It was yeah, two Super Bowls ago. I don't remember. <laughs> now it's the Super Bowl. It was the Grey Cup. Great, oh, two, two, two Grey Cups, right. Well, here it comes. Oh, shit, wrong button. Fuck, I'm so professional right now. Uh, oh, I'm going to edit the fuck out of this. Here we go. Okay, it should be. And two of us on a forest path. One of us shook the tree. One of us saw the nest come down and turned to wonder where his friend could be. But three hours later, when the news came on the phone. John was in the hospital and never did quite make it home. 
bystander when they went after Johnny and Hortus threatened no person unless they're provoked Harmony dies a sorry death on a predatory slippery slope John Wayne at the Alamo last stand John Wayne in a magazine said they selfishly tried to hang on to their land and the apologist prayers conceived after the smoke has long cleared nearer my God to me in this godless frontier oh mother say it's worse every day It's a stone throw away Oh, let it live in the trees Let it hum in the breeze In a world on its knees You get stung in late September It's just a last gasp to survive Remember the good old days before the collapse of a hive. Drunk on the power of this stillborn bitter fruit. This new cycle hour don't reveal where they buried the loot. And I still don't know how those hornets miss me. Try to remember the way I thought it was gonna be Try to remember the way I thought So you have plans to play some shows, but you're going to turn it into like a, a an acoustic-y, solo-y... Well, I mean, so we, as, as is often the case these days, we're looking at some possibilities of trying to find some live funding and mm -hmm. I, I want to do as much band stuff as possible and i think there's some places where that'll be possible and mm -hmm. some places where we really have a goal to get over to europe again because we we toured a fairly extensive amount in europe with the last record and uh i know there's an audience there for us and uh that you know the last time we went we uh used a rhythm section from from uh, Ireland, so I mean that's a possibility again. Although the drummer's here right now, he just oh, yeah. he just arrived on the island today. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him. I haven't seen him in since 2018. So really, yeah, you know Europe, um, the UK. I mean, I found like Germany, Italy, France, not France so much, but like Sweden, uh, Holland, that part of Europe always felt like really warm and and welcoming to musicians yeah uk not so much for some reason it's sort of like it felt like a little bit like oh we're back in toronto yeah <laughs> well so my experience in the uk like i've played there twice once with lois hello and once by myself and in both cases i think we played for mostly expats and the show that lois of low did at the water rats uh in london england was one of my favorite memories of being in that band like it just was it was a, a one of those nights where we had zero expectation and the place was packed to the rafters and they responded and the energy between the crowd and the band was as pure as i've ever experienced and then you know unfortunately the man himself didn't show up but i ended up after the show standing on the street talking with three members of uh, the Mescaleros with Joe Strummer's oh, wow. band. So it was a, just a perfect night. Mm -hmm. uh, the um, Our manager at the time, Dan Brooks, in his, in his wisdom, had us staying way out, like we were four hours away from, from London, and we were doing drive-ins and drive-outs, so we didn't get to spend much time in London that time. The last time when I was there in 2018, we did three nights, so that was great. 
uh, we got to spend a lot of time and I got to spend a lot of time in the city and we got to do a lot of things during the day. Um, so, I mean, that's, I mean, any sort of European tour at this level is, is, uh, you know, a wink, wink, nudge, nudge vacation slap touring slash touring because, yeah. you know, there's just so much intrigue and so many things to see and, yep. you know, so. And then the industry kind of changed, like, cause we sort of went across in the early two thousands and it was just towards the end of the heyday of people would come to the merch table and spend like a week's worth of wages on your stuff. I mean, yeah. it was just at the end of it. And, yeah. and, and you'd go there and, and there's something magical about Europe. And just because maybe they figure they know you've traveled the distance, they've gotten on a plane and went through customs, I'm renting a vehicle, maybe equipment. They understand that there's a perception of that. And yeah. then there's the other idea that there wasn't really image-based TV, especially in Germany and Italy and stuff. Like nobody cared what you looked like. Which is right. kind of forgiving, as a, you know, as a thirty-five-year-old guy traveling across to Europe with playing with yeah. like kid bands and stuff. It's like my joke is, well, the Scorpions did it pretty good, and look at all those guys—they look like a little garden trolls. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think I I tread lightly on this this subject because it's, I don't ever mean it to be disparaging to Canadian audiences because like that's where I do most of my life playing and I love it. Um, there's a there's a different reverence and vibe towards live music especially in ireland in germany as well I, I played a couple shows in germany and that was the same but in ireland i i think there's something that and then maybe it starts from the point of view of like the show i remember we played it in kilkenny and we stayed five nights in kilkenny and that was an outpost for us and we were traveling we did dublin and we did uh waterford and a few other places in the area and then we drove back to Kilkenny. So we got five five days there. But the night we played in Kilkenny at Clears, um, which was a beautiful bar, uh, the show wrapped up about 9.15. And then we were kind of packed up and ready to go by about quarter to 10. And we have some friends there in Ireland and people that there's a couple of musicians that had one of them, one of whom had played on my record um, remotely. And uh, we were like, okay, well, let's, let's go out for a beer. It's like quarter to 10. And they were like, what are you talking about? And, and they found so they called one of their friends who owns a bar down the street and he said yeah you can come here for one but one beer and then you're leaving right afterwards and that and you know so we were we were back in bed by 11 like back at the hotel <laughs> at party and, but no exactly it's so it's so counter to what we know about live music here and i think i think it really works well there and i think it it's an audience builder because People kind of leave work and go to the pub, watch a band, and then they're home by yeah nine forty five. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah, we we played in Brighton, and and we were like we were getting kicked out, like get the fuck out of here because oh, yeah, we're yeah. closing. We should have closed ten minutes ago. And I'm like, what are you talking about? It's like the same thing. Yeah. And we're rolling our equipment down the cobbles, and people are like, oh, shut up, you know, like oh my god, we are offending yeah, yeah. the whole town of Brighton right now. <laughs> It's <laughs> like how sorry, yeah. sorry, we're Canadian, sorry. You know, like yeah. very, very crazy. Well, yeah, that's like that's exactly right. There was no hanging out at Clears. Like there, I remember I was probably third of four bands that night, and I went to the front bar, uh, sort of as the fourth band was wrapping up, thinking we were going to be settling in for a night of drinking with the locals and hanging out, and everybody's putting their coats and hats on and heading out. So yeah, though we, but have, it's a great live experience. Yeah, it really is a great there's a great communal vibe there between audience and, and band that yeah. seemed to be right across the board. Yeah. We played in this place in, in Munster where the guy owned his parents owned the hotel we stayed in. And so two, two of us went drinking in a backyard of a church and the other two went to that hotel and sampled wine all night free. Oh, nice. You know, so we had these, it was funny cause it was a four square. We put this band together with these guys out from Canada and two of us were like, Fuck it, let's go have fun. And the other two were like, no, no, we're we're okay. We're gonna we're gonna take it easy. And then they end up drinking wine in this, you know, private party all night. But there's like definitely in 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 Germany, they'll close the doors and they're like, here we go, let's let's have at it. It's felt, you know, it's this vibe. And Italy is an interesting place. But actually Germany, I'll be back on Germany. Germany was like the Germans would be like um very honest. You know, like that first song is amazing. That second song was horrible. You know, like, okay, <laughs> I'm joking. No, you're not. You're serious. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. I, I mean, yeah, there's something to be said for that. I was, I actually told this story to a friend last night. I don't know why it came up, but um, when in the second blush of lowest to the low, we did those, we did, we did those like uh, some really good shows in Buffalo and in Toronto at the warehouse. And then we started to sort of reconstitute and to do more and more things. And we were, we were doing a weekend at the horseshoe and I remember that specific weekend because it was a weird time of the year from for weather and the first night they had the heat on and it was so hot in there it was unbearable and then the second night they were like oh it's too hot last night so we're gonna put the ac on <laughs> and it was freaking freezing the second night it was just the most it was the feast or famine of uh <laughs> temperatures and so we did the shows and like i think we all thought they were good shows and i think for the for the most part people thought they were good shows and I was out with some friends at a place called Wide Open, which is on Spadina. And Wide Open's about as wide as my computer screen. It's like the it's the most ironic name of a bar ever. <laughs> you basically you if it's crowded and you want to get from the front to the back of the bar, you're basically walking past people and your faces, your faces are touching. Like you're basically touching your as you're talking. And so I'm going to the washroom. I'm up at the front, I'm going to the washroom, and I'm face to face with this guy, and he goes, Oh, are you are you uh, you're Stephen Stanley from Lowest to Low? And I said, Yeah, yeah. And I said, and I always I always say, Sorry, do I know you? He goes, No, you don't know me, but I saw you guys at the Horseshoe last weekend. I was like, Oh, cool. And he goes, Yeah, like um, do you guys ever think about rehearsing before going to a show? Wow. And I was like, <laughs> Okay. So I'm stuck in I'm stuck in this conversation now because there's nowhere to go, and I'm now kind of having to answer for the band, and I'm like. Well, I mean, actually, we probably did reverse. We did reverse a lot. <laughs> like a so, lot. <laughs> and, but there you go. That's all perception again, right? I remember those shows, and I remember thinking those shows were actually kind of good. But this <laughs> this guy was having none of it. So there you go. Perception. It, perception is everything, and Germans are very exactly. honest. There's no social yeah. filter with with um, with Germans, and I, I hate to stereotype, but I've met so many people from Germany who are exactly like that. You know, we're, we did a TV interview, and I'm talking about you know sarcasm. It kind of gets lost. You know, we're, you know sarcasm's not a good it's not a good form of it's the lowest form of wit. And and the lady says to me, "Well, I like to make sarcasm too." I'm like, "No, you don't." <laughs> <laughs> No, you don't. You don't. Like we're all we're all chasing stories, right? So, <laughs> like, there's no story if all the people, if everything that everybody tells you is you're you're great, you're great, sounds great, yeah, sounds great. The stories are all the the, the deviations from that, yeah. And that's what that's where it all lives, like, and that's where the conversations can get interesting. Now, when you're face to face with a guy in a bar, like, I just <laughs> want to get out of there. I don't want to have that conversation. Yeah. But I respect his uh, right to say that we were shit. <laughs> We did an interview. We're opening for some 41 in front of like a thousand people. And um, the guy interviewing me, he's like, so do you think opening for some 41 is going to make you famous? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, uh, and I've never been asked that question before in my life. I was stumped. I'm like, I don't know how to answer that question. What if I said yes? If I said yes, well, that, was that the wrong answer? Like, <laughs> I would have said, well, they better. Yeah. They owe, make us they owe me. They owe me. I took them all over North America as teenagers. They fucking owe me. They owe you, yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm here. It's, called, it's the weirdest form of nepotism ever. Um, um, yeah. So, well, I mean, I, you know, I, I think being a musician in in today's society is is it's you know, do you, I feels hard to me. But how does how does it you know you you've been around? How does it feel like to now to say ten years ago? Is is it same, different, better, worse? It's it's a uh, different for sure, very different, uh, and then I have the sort of the the uh, layered on difference of being in a different position in a band, yeah. um, which was my own doing, and which was 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 with purpose. I wanted to be able to you know be somebody that was a little more expressive and have it be a little more of my. Uh, vision than than a collective vision or another person's vision so that's part of it um it's it's certainly tougher financially yeah but the like i mean so that's a choice you make it's very it would be easy well not easy but it would be probably practical to stop and just not do it anymore hmm. but the thing is you get to this point in your life and there's there doesn't seem to be a way to stop like there's there's a gratification that comes from playing live there's a gratification that comes from writing songs and recording them. And there's also this layered, this other layer of like, you know, 
who you are as a person, what you what you do, what what makes you get up in the morning. And I think if for me to sort of uh, you know, I remember there was a there was a time, and I'm not going to be able to quote you the the time this happened where Ron seriously considered uh, like packing it in, and from Ron Hawkins from Most of Low, and there was like a lot of discussions discussions around that. And my take on it was, well, no, you can't. Yeah. Like you couldn't do that. Like I mean, maybe maybe you do that for a few months, but <clears throat> it's like it's like saying, you know, I'm going to stop breathing. Like it's like it's like this is this is so much an extension of who you are. Years ago, we just put out Hallucigenia, and we did a six date club 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 crawl <laughs> in Toronto. And it was amazing. It was great. And then about a week later, I was at the Rivoli watching another band. I think it was Martin Tielli. And Dave Porter, who was our A&R man from, uh, from A&M, was there. And um, we were talking about the Hallucigenia release. And I said, yeah. I said, well, I don't, I don't necessarily take those for granted because I'm not sure if there'll ever be another one. And if, if there'll ever be another album release. Like, so I, I try to sort of live in the, inside the moment. He was like, "What are you talking about? You'll be releasing your albums. You'll be releasing albums your whole life." And I was like, "Oh, that's interesting. That's never, I've never really considered that uh, as part of the game." And I think that is very much because at that moment in time, for me, and I think for all the guys in the band in the early '90s, we were like really in the moment. It was about that yeah. day and not much else. Yeah. There wasn't a business plan. There wasn't much more than hope, hoping that we we're creating good songs and good art, and we're putting on like top, top notch shows. Yeah. And there wasn't anything else. So that perspective changes over the years. You get older and you, you, uh, you know, I mean, there's a little, it's a little more easy to see the end from, from this point. Yeah. <laughs> Which, so yeah. So, so it becomes a whole new thing where like, you know, we just did a really lovely album release in Toronto on December 1st at the Redwood theater. And there was like, you know, 230 people there. And we, you touched on this before about it being like kind of a gathering. It was like, you know, a lot of people I know, some I don't know, but it just, just, um, it just feels right. It just feels like it's a, it's a meeting place for people to come and revisit something that is familiar, but is something new at the same time. And then, you know, the records, it's, it's funny because like there, we were, we were talking when we started about podcasts versus, you know, what used to be the, the form of media in the music business, which was generally written. I think the podcast is basically, especially at the level of music that I'm at, has wiped out the press. Like it, all I'm doing is podcasts and they're, they're great because it allows you to have these in-depth conversations yep. that aren't just somebody saying, Hey, um, so what, what's your band name mean? Yeah. Like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that there's, I, I totally hundred percent agree. I th I think print is still kind of alive, but it's it's, it's kind of hard. Yeah. there's a gate. It's hard to get through that gate of of print. Podcasts are just so open, and 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 you know I can tell you what, as one example, when people listen to a podcast, they get to know who you are, and they know who you are as a person, yeah. and they feel like what how are you this person thinks I think like this person, and if you think like this person, then you're going to enjoy their music because they're giving you something artistic that now you feel a little bit closer to. Um, yeah, yeah, and and when <clears throat> when I had this one band on, and they were like, "We're just loading in. We got fifteen minutes." I'm like, "Well, fuck yeah, let's do a fifteen minute long interview." And they looked like fools, and I loved it. I'm like, "This oh. is exactly what this is all about." You guys, look yeah. like fuck. I didn't say it, but they, I told it to their press agent. Like, they look like idiots. They have a fifteen yeah, minute interview. Yeah. They got, they knew, they knew this was supposed to happen. They knew exactly what, how much time we had. That you know, yeah, we yeah. had the limitless time. You know, but anyways, yeah. that's that to me. You get to know who that person is. We know who Steve Stanley is yeah. more now than we did, you know, twenty minutes ago. Twenty minutes ago, right now, and and so, and with and, you and, think I'm re am I revealing too much? Is this what, what you're telling? Yeah, me? Yeah, tell me all about <laughs> your wig. You wear a wig. <laughs> this is a wig. Yeah. This is a totally wig. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, and like I said, it's it's just it's more of a welcoming um, conversation. And you know, I've had some tricky conversations on this too. I've had people who don't want to be on a podcast, you know, and I've done 355 of these things and it's like it's That's a, lot amazing. Of, a lot of talking. And um So they're being so they're being put in this situation by a press person who yeah. and they're not they're reluctant to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I I, mean, I I get that. I guess like some people 
some people would rather not talk about what they do at all. I mean, yeah. I love it. I love talking about the the business and the the road to trying to do this and the and the the uh, just the difficulties behind it because there's lots. There's yeah. like it doesn't it doesn't make a heck of a lot of sense right now. We we've toured twice, <clears throat> both both last both last two Augusts we were out in BC, mm-hmm. and with a band from uh, the, from New York that you know, the Willie Nile band. Yeah. And just watching that tour go down and what the expenses are to keep something like that on the road, it just, it's not sustainable. It's just, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. I pulled up, I had a guy, I was, we had a couple shows, Chris Bennett and I had a couple shows ourselves. And uh, we, I pulled up beside a guy in a gas station and I was gassing up our car and uh, the guy is pumping up, filling up his uh, pickup truck and he's just standing there shaking his head and i was like i know what you're shaking your head about it's like he said yeah this used to cost me about 75 bucks to fill and now it cost me 220 yeah so and the yeah. show pay is not going up by uh 89 yeah. <laughs> you know show pay not is all. all still like 100 bucks 200 bucks enough to get you a hotel room for the night um but there's also without naming na- without naming names because there's a there's a bar that was one of the first bars Lois to low played in uh in 91 91 yeah what one of the first places we played out of town and i think then they paid uh 250 for a night and i think now they pay 450 so <laughs> that's it's only been 30 years it's only you, been 30 years what's that that's uh that's a uh, whatever that's uh, a percentage markup over year over year well, I mean, it's, it's nothing but it's, it's, but it's not it's actually a negative markup when you right it's the cost, of, cost living. of living yeah yeah i uh, yeah i i always you know i always I mean, to be a musician, you're talking about being a lifer and, and like, what else am I going to do? Everybody's perspective changes when they start realizing I'm not going to be Bon Jovi anymore. Like this is this only Bon Jovi. Not, I don't even think Bon Jovi's Bon Jovi anymore. There we yeah. are. Naming names. Um, and Kenny Loggins, Loggins bon Jovi. probably, probably still Kenny Loggins is looking for that perfect gated reverb snare. Um, <laughs> But but there's like this there's this realization of like listen I I want to be I want to create art and it becomes more liberating because now you're doing it for the love of art rather than chasing the mighty dollar or the dime nor are you taking any sort of like not that Lilo really got a lot of that but a lot of sort of prodding and poking of like hey you should probably maybe lose some weight I've been told to lose thirty pounds <laughs> before it's like really. You know, if you're going to make it in this world, they want skinny young guys, you know, Uh, that it's funny because that stuff has never really factored into the equation for me. It's like and I think it's partially, you know, even back as far as the early days of lowest to low, nobody was trying. We weren't trying to become Mm -hmm. celebrities. We just wanted to be musicians. We just wanted to play. And our, our model was trying to emulate some somebody like billy bragg who's doing like 800 to a thousand people a night as opposed to like we we turned down arena shows so we just didn't think it was the right place for us right so you're still getting lots of prodding and poking from people like hey maybe you should do this and you should shorten songs and you know what i mean like well it was two phases in those early days it was two phases right the first album the shakes for my butt days was just us making the decisions it was just Mm -hmm. all of our own instincts and then we signed with LSD, which became a deal with AM later to become Universal. And then, yeah, then there's there's a ton of people in the mix, management, agents, record company, and they've all got a say in what you should do. And the result of that was four guys that were just like, well, fuck this. Yeah. This is it's not fun. Yeah. And yeah, you know, I mean, I think, and it's funny because like my instinct on that was always like, Okay, so you've signed us because of what we did, which was all based on our instincts. So why do you feel like those were wrong? <laughs> because obviously, like, you know, Shakespeare in My Butt was a huge success. And yeah. that was just four guys that that we did it ourselves with, you know, with Andy Koyama helming the production of the recording. But everything that happened to the band in those days was grassroots and based on, you know, sometimes intense conversations and yeah. disagreements but we always sort of create we always put forth a a 
a popular front of the, from the band. Like once the decision was made, mm-hmm. there wasn't anybody like that was out in public going, yeah, like I know we're doing this, but I hate this. Like nobody, like, yeah. we just, we all, once, once we made a decision, we moved on into, into whatever the next thing was. So, yeah. And you know, popular music is a fluke. It is, you know, as you can say, well, and, and labels and management will try to put it into a formula. Like if we do X, Y, Z, and you do this and we're going to be famous. And it's like, no, that's not tried and true. It's all a big crapshoot. And it's, you might as well go to the casino and put all the record, exa- put all your, your advance on black and say, all right, let's, let's see how this roulette game works out. And that's not a, like a sustainable yeah. uh, thing, but what it oh, does, boy, like, you know, it creates, it creates in some respects, it does create art, angry art, <laughs> it, you know, to yeah. revolt against what the cookie cutter people are trying to say. I mean, I think the closest thing like that I can see that happen maybe 10 years ago was like a Billie Eilish, like made a record in her base, in her, uh, in her bedroom with her brother. And it turned into like this Grammy winning record. They weren't sitting there writing these songs going, we're going to be making, we're going to be making so much money and we're going to be making winning Grammys, you know, it's still a crapshoot. It's a crapshoot. It's totally a crapshoot. And there's so, there's so many things that have to fall into place one after the other for, for success to be even remotely possible. Um, you know, I mean, like, you know, and it doesn't hurt that if you're good at what you're doing, but there's yeah. a lot of people that are good at what they're, that are good at it that haven't had any success. So absolutely. You know, yeah. it's like, it, it's a crapshoot and there is no formula. So, and that's, that's to me, that's where you need to revert back to your own instincts. And if you can trust your own instincts and believe in what you're doing, then that's more than half the battle. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, this is get this is getting uh, didactic now. Here's what you should do. Believe in yourself. Yeah. Well, you know, we are uh we are pretty positive people, you know, but you know it's Up with a, people. It's a um but I mean it, as a young person making music, I feel that there's there's some good avenues out there for a young person to make music and and it's just a different way of thinking. And I've had conversations for many years about like, you know, and trying not to turn it into like a get off my yard kind of moment of old guys back in the day. But it, there's definitely, you know, as an artist, you have to also not just be a great songwriter, but you have to be able to be a pretty prolific speaker. Uh, you have to um, be good at doing podcasts and, you know, who, mm-hmm. who made that rule? You know what I mean? Cause back yeah, in, yeah. in the eighties, it was like, you had, Steve Earl and Steve Earl didn't want to do real interviews. Steve Earl wanted drugs and I knew the guy used yeah. to go get him the drugs. So, you know, so I, I think there's like a, there's like a divide now of like, you need to wear many hats as an, as an artist. And so it's. Yeah. And you, and you're, we're so beholden to like digital numbers on streaming platforms and stuff like that. And that's a fool's game to me. Like it's just, it's, it's, you know, I mean, I think it, I think it works for a, a very sort of small echelon at the very top. Otherwise, yeah. Like I think there needs to be a reckoning where bands of you know a certain level and above and beyond that level need to all come together and go you know what screw this like this Spotify stuff is bullshit yeah. <laughs> like, like let's just all leave yeah and let's do something else and let's make people find our music and do the work that we did as kids which is you know go to the record store I'm not saying records but even you know go take it back to uh, native digital platforms that everybody's running themselves and put, have people put the work into finding it again. Yeah. It's very easy. And the easiness has like almost wiped out the ability to make a living in this business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but everybody, for some reason, art is like chaos. It kind of figures out a way it levels out and yeah, you people hope. figure it out and they crack the code and they mm-hmm. have some success and, they, they, and, and to me, that's always going to be the plight of an independent artist is, is either you're going to get too popular and you're going to, you know, and your fans who are your up and coming fans are going to like, well, who's this guy? I don't even know who's this guy with the glasses and that, you know, and now it's going to be like, you know, but, you know, maybe that's one positive thing is like people think you're a rock star anyways, if you're on Spotify, because nobody understands how that works, myself included most of the times, you know. Um, yeah. and when you find it's funny you say numbers, I always just want to see that, you know, the less than sign. I just want to see that yeah. go away. <laughs> yeah. 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 Is it yeah. like less than a thousand? Really? 
Well, now with Spotify, they said in 2024, they're not paying for less than a thousand. Yeah, so well, the, they the never three, paid me a penny. Yeah, well, there you go. The three pennies that you were making for that are, are yeah. not going to be there anymore. I remember our label in Germany um, was because it was in Europe first. Uh, he was telling me about Spotify in like 2005. He goes, oh, I'm going to do the Spotify thing. It's great. And I'm like, that oh, sounds great. And then it came over. I don't even when it came over, like maybe 10, 2010, nine ish. And, right, and yeah. all our records were on Spotify already. I'm like, oh, but still, they had five years jump, and it still was like less than a thousand. I'm like, god damn it, you know? Yeah, not sexy, not sexy at all. They just need to lose that part because they lost the thumbs down part for a while in spot in uh, in uh, YouTube. So right, they don't count the thumbs down anymore, but they used yeah. to count the thumbs up and the thumbs down. Just get rid of the last hand sign and everybody will feel better about themselves. Maybe yeah. better songs will be written. Who knows? It seems like the people running Spotify don't want anybody to feel good about themselves. So oh. it's, it's, it seems like a very myopic and uh, the organization of it seems very myopic and very much, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Entitled based on we created this and we don't need to pay anybody for for their for their work that they're that okay. we're making money off of yeah um anyway so but you know it's like i use it like it's not i'm not sitting here saying like i'm some sort of bastion of uh yeah you don't bring you know, your your digit your analog typewriter to the coffee shop and put on your record <laughs> with your beret <laughs> i'm gonna start doing that though you know yeah, yeah. Like that, might, that might be maybe that's the that's what people need to sort of lead back lead people back to the source and smoke a pipe smoke a pipe smoke bubbles. a pipe and carry around carry around a, a turntable turntable and, just, and, a, and an yeah. analog uh, typewriter and yeah. it's like 80 pounds on your back but still you know suffer for your art right <laughs> have you heard the new taylor swift album oh no oh no let me, let me, let me for you. give me, you give like, me 25 <laughs> minutes to set this up and then I'll play it's like it. one of those <laughs> with the horn and there's somehow a, a dog monkey. comes and looks into the cone and you know. a monkey on a bike <laughs> yeah. that's, a, that's working we can't use monkeys anymore Okay. Um, it's been awesome. It's been it's been a long time in the in the in coming too because I think we spoke about this like four years ago. Like, hey, you should get you on the podcast, and uh, here you are. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I know. This is this is awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I you know I I appreciate you and what you did, and I you know and your your uh, your commitment to music is uh, is commendable. Is 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 insane. It's, yeah. <laughs> One man's commendable is another man's insane. Yeah. That's a song right there. I just gave you a title right there. I think if if there's anything that comes out of what we've been talking about, I think there just comes a point when when you uh, enjoy the privilege of being here to this point in life that you know it is what you do. And like I don't I don't know. So put it, the putting out of a record is a major ordeal. And I got uh, in my crowdfunding that I did through Indiegogo, I was supported beyond anything I could have imagined. That's amazing. That covered about half of the cost to make this record. So so I guess what I'm saying is as I sit here right now with an album that's only about, you know, a month and a half old as far as being out in the world, um, I can't imagine doing another one except for the the part about making songs and recording songs. So I don't know what comes next. I was talking to Tim Vesley from the Reostatics oh, nice. yeah, yeah. two days ago and and he was saying that he's just sort of doing like one or two songs at a time and just putting them out and doesn't really sort of have any long form aspirations anymore, which, yeah, I get that. I get that. This particular, this project right now that what that's out here before the collapse of the hive felt like an album to me. It felt like they all needed to be together. So mm-hmm. does that happen the next time? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, yeah. You know, I was just thinking like the Tim Vasily and Rio statics, they would, they were the Kings of making conceptual flowing albums. So maybe that's a revert to like, man, eh, we're not going to, do that stuff anymore you know yeah i mean so i mean again and there again like that that was a band and tim is is tim vesley uh doing his art by himself and mm-hmm. he's got a different so i'm sure he brought some of that attitude to the to the group and the group did what they did and yeah when you step out of that you're going to have a different vision yeah. that's unencumbered by other people's opinions yeah <laughs> Well, thanks, man, sir, for doing it. Stay on, because I, I want to talk a little bit more. I got I got sure. updates for you that we don't people don't need to hear. Okay. Okay. Thanks, man. Thanks, people. And that was Mr. Stephen Stanley of the Stephen Stanley Band. Go check out Before the Collapse of the Hive. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple Music. It's on everywhere you can find it. And shout out to Chris Brown for making a great record. And uh, I'll see you in March. 
as a threat, my friend. <laughs> I, I made a, a New Year's resolution that I would play and record more music this year, and I've already started. So uh, I'm going to be doing some things with some friends and some, some of my own stuff, and I with some old bandmates from bygones. Bygones? Nobody uses that word very much anymore. So anyways, yes, I am going to be doing some stuff musically, also some stuff documentary-wise, as well as some stuff, just stuff. I'm doing lots of stuff, and I hope to be doing new stuff this summer. I'll be working with bands, but they'll be doing stuff. And uh, yeah, some, some there'll be some announcements coming shortly. I don't want to hold you like this. That's a sort of the campy sort of radio trick but yeah there will be stuff coming and i'll be announcing it very soon because it hasn't really started yet also there's some actually some really kind of cool cool stuff happening with the actual documentary that we put out last year hey that's all i can say so anyways i hope to see you all again and my other news resolution is to be putting out more of these podcasts so i appreciate everybody listening to this show week over week and when you come back if you haven't been back in a while welcome back it's good to have you back and if you're if you're gonna be leaving for a while, well, we hope you come back soon. You know when you leave the general store and it goes ding ding ding, and you leave the little bell rings in that door, it's gone ding ding ding. And well, maybe we'll see you come back down the road when you need some uh, chicken feed or something. I don't know where I'm going with this, but anyways, I will see you all next week. Bye.